Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you are all having a brilliant start to your week or whenever you're choosing to tune into this, whether this is this week's episode or an episode that you're coming back to. I'm just grateful that you're here, and I'm super grateful to be introducing this week's guest, my good friend, Mr. Dominic Cortuccio. So that name sounds familiar. It's because Dominic was on the podcast, uh, I think, I don't even know, about a year ago from this date. And um, I loved the conversation so much. And I wanted to bring him back because today's conversation about healthy masculinity is something that I've been really diving into in 2020. You know, ever since my own breakup and sort of radical changes this year, I've been really starting to look at different aspects of masculinity and how I can show up better for not only my teams, not only my um, brothers and sisters, my mom and my dad, romantic relations. I mean, you name it. I've been really wanting to see how I can show up better. And so this conversation with Dominic is really sort of a seed for that effort into exploring how healthy masculinity plays a role in just helping our society progress and be more harmonious in general. Dominic is a leader in the field of healthy masculinity and a man who does the work. I mean, he looks at his biases. He does the inner work. He's constantly trying to upgrade himself. And that's why I think I respect him so much. We're both in a men's group together. And if you're not in a men's group, I'd highly recommend finding one because that's one of the most, we talk about that on the episode too, just how powerful it is to have a group of men that are actually seeking and looking to be better in their lives. But you know, he's also the host of the Great Man Within podcast. Uh, he runs doinnerwork.com. I mean, he is, Dominic is a guy that I really respect when it comes to the world of examining what it means to be a man in 2020. You know, I think that especially in today's day and age, there's just a lot of examples of toxic masculinity, the patriarchy, and a lot of old and outdated examples of what it means to be a man. Don't show your emotions. Don't you're not allowed to cry. I mean, like you name it, there's just a lot of toxic masculinity out there. So I just love this conversation. And what I loved even more about it was how we came back to vulnerability as one of the most important aspects for men to embrace, to really step into that next level of leadership, whether it's the vulnerability to look like you don't have the answers, the vulnerability to admit your mistakes, the vulnerability to really humble yourself and and drop down and ask for help. I mean, you name it. I think vulnerability is just one of those things that men in general have a hard time leaning into. So this week's episode, we talk about how you can learn to be more vulnerable, how you can learn to hold space for both men and women, how to be vulnerable with yourself, why we're even in this space where it's so hard for men to show up authentically. And it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. I think that this episode is going to have so much value and juice because we all have 
if you're a woman listening to this, you have men in your lives that you're trying to understand that you want to build a deeper connection with. And I think by hearing two guys that don't have it all figured out, I'm going to be the first to admit that I don't have it figured out. Like I am working on myself every single day, trying to be as great as I can, but I'm not perfect and I make mistakes. And so for us to just hearing two candid guys have a, or not even candid guys, two honest guys have a very candid conversation about what it means to be a man, how we're growing, how we're learning. And I hope you guys can all take something from this as you interact with yourself, your communities, your families, your, your relationships, and just the people in your life. So enjoy this episode. If you haven't already subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify or any of the podcast apps, all that means that every single time we release a new episode, it drops straight into your inbox. Send me a message on Instagram or LinkedIn or email or leave us a review if the podcast has been helpful for you. I read everything and I appreciate all of the feedback. I'm just so grateful um, for all of you. Like you guys have really turn this podcast into a platform that can allow me to go and find such brilliant individuals to share beautiful knowledge about how to live a more fulfilling life. And I do not take that for granted. So thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for just being here and investing in yourselves and just allowing this year to be a beacon of, of, of growth. Like 2020 did not go the way I wanted it to go. It did not go the way most of us wanted it to go, but by tuning in, you're allowing yourself to sink in and listen to that voice in your heart. And I think that's one of the most important things we can do. So anyways, uh, enough blabbering from me. (laughs) Without further ado, here is my main man, Mr. Dominic Cortuccio. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Oh, am I happy to be looking at you, Dominique. What's up, brother? Raj, I, like I was saying before we started recording, that hair is magnificent. And um, and I'm glad that COVID like, allowed that to happen for you because like you, you, your magic and your power is shining right through. Oh, bro, I received that. I mean, COVID opened the door and then life just kept kicking it open. So, you know, it's one of those things where now that the party started, I don't know if I can go back. Um, <laughs> and it feels going to lead into the conversation that we're going to be having today, but it just feels good to be in my body. Mm. It feels good to be in my skin. It feels good to be in my body. Like I've just been going through so many transitions recently with the breakup and like just changes and you know, just all the things coming up and it's, it just feels like the hair is like a natural extension of me just feeling more comfortable in my skin. Sure. And rediscovering like who you are and then actually kind of opening new doors to who right. you could be, you know, it's like times of transition, like these are beautiful opportunities to discover new depths. It's like a chrysalis in some ways, like this like nice little cocoon of transformation where we're unlayering all of the almost like the borrowed ways of being, if you would, you know, like, especially for men, like, I feel like there's a lot of stories, a lot of roles, a lot of responsibilities, a lot of sort of like externally sourced role. I guess role is the best word, but we like take on a lot to put on this front to be the certain type of people. But I just feel like the healthiest thing that's happened for me through all this transformation is just learning to be in harmony with the true masculinity within me, the true sort of like balance of what it, what it actually means to, to be a man in 2020. And I feel like it's a really tough conversation to have. And one that you 
are constantly navigating. Yeah. Um, and one that it's, it's actually one of the, the things that I admire most about you is how dedicated you are to your own work. I guess I would love to just start there, man. Like, what is a healthy definition of masculinity in 2020? Yeah. You know, um, just from a contextual perspective, you said that, like I navigate a lot of these conversations. So like I, I run a podcast for men, right. Where we talk about, like, it's called the great man within podcast where we talk about sexuality, masculinity. I also run retreats for women, but I've also been into a lot of women run retreats where I'm like the only guy. And I get to hear a lot of those candid conversations about men right. and masculinity and patriarchy. And, and I think we should like, we, we should get into this conversation about con- like deconflating patriarchy and masculinity. But I, I would say like the first place that I'd like to start is I would just beware of any man or any person who tries to tell you what a real man is. Mm. Like if, if someone is trying to force feed you a definition of what real manhood is or what real masculinity is, I, my, my, my red flag typically goes up because usually there's either some sort of dogma or someone's trying to sell you a testosterone pill, you know, or like hair, hair replacement therapy. I, right. I feel like masculinity is something that we all navigate on our own. Like we, we all, we, we all, we, we all kind of come to our own definitions of what that is. And I have chosen my teachers, right? Like a lineage who teach, who teach about masculinity that I choose to subscribe to that other people don't, you know, like you and I both love the book, King Warrior, Magician Lover. Right. One of my right? It's written books, by yeah. Robert Moore. It's one, it's one of the most, I have a list, I have a book, so like 10 books that are, you know, most influential of my life. It's on that shelf. It's written by Robert Moore, Douglas Gillette. These guys are Jungian psychologists. So Carl Jung lineage, you're talking about like one of the godfathers of psychology. And one of the things that they talk about with, with respect to, in our world today, we've conflated patriarchy and masculinity. Yeah. Meaning it's almost like when, when you hear the word patriarchy, people just think it's like masculinity. It's, it's, it's all men. And they deconstruct that. They're like, no, the patriarchy is the opposite of healthy masculinity, right? It's patriarchy is men who are running around with ego, with power, trying to keep their power, kill or be killed. Yeah. They want to dominate you. These are the guys who are like little tyrants, little dictators, little, like they're little boys in men's bodies. Right. And the patriarchy is just as toxic to healthy masculine. And what they talk about healthy masculine, like the king, when you're in that king energy, you are a man who creates environments where you can thrive and the people around you can thrive. Right. Right. Like that, that's, that's how I, you know, I think at the highest of levels, there's a lot, there's a lot more layers below it, but like a really healthy, powerful masculine creates these environments where he himself can personally thrive, who can say, I feel great in my body, but then to also come home hold space for people who are grieving and they can feel safe in your presence. Like that's creating environments where other people can thrive. And I think really healthy masculine do those things. You know, I love, it's almost like you're, you're allowing yourself to be the most authentic version of yourself. That allowance is healthy masculinity. At least that's the, when you, when you were describing it, it's like, you're not necessarily subscribing to any one way of being. You're just allowing yourself to be fully yourself and then allowing that safety that you give yourself, that permission that you give yourself to be fully yourself creates the safety for others to allow themselves to feel seen, feel heard, to, to do what they need to do to step into their own fullness and their own power and their own being. 
And I think it's fascinating, man. Like you mentioned kind of like the, the little boys in, in men's bodies. Like, like I wish that schools taught more about like, you know, like really helping young men and women for that matter, really step into like to themselves more, you know, not necessarily because everything that I learned about masculinity. I mean, I learned from my dad, I learned from society, I learned from everything around me. And that led to a lot of, honestly, probably success. Like I, I became very successful as a result of me prescribing to a lot of those beliefs. But at the same time, I didn't really have that safety, that, that, that connection I do with myself. And I think what, for me, at least in my journey, allowing myself to simply be myself is the healthiest version of masculine that exists. Yeah, right on, man. Like when you, when you, when you talked about, you know, achieving that level of success, you know, there's, there's many definitions of success, right? And I think the one that you were striving for, which you hit in spades was like the traditional success, right. like as a man, run a business, make the money, know, make money. Money is such a, I mean, in culture, man, like I think about like, I was actually having a conversation with my dad about this. Like, you know, my dad came to the U.S. with not a lot of money in his pocket and worked his ass off his entire life. And that gave him purpose as a man, right? Like being able to make the money, provide for his family. But then like a few years before retirement, he got laid off. And then like me and my brother, we graduated college. We didn't need money anymore. And it's almost like he lost that masculine essence because everything was riding on being a provider. Yes. Right. So like, I guess, let me ask you something, I guess in general, like for somebody who's in a position like that, where their masculine purpose was all around one thing either being the provider or let's say somebody's kids just graduated, like their masculine purpose was around being a good dad. Or like, if like, let's say somebody has like a masculine direction that's around that, how do they expand it at that point to be more all encompassing and, and not as reliant on external factors like those? You know, man, I mean, it's, this is where awareness can be a make or break because if you're unaware that your whole identity is wrapped up into being the provider. Or if like you're a mother and you know, you, you're like your, your whole identity is being a mother and then like your kids graduate, they move off. They don't need you anymore. Then if you're unaware and then the, the thing shifts and no, now all of a sudden, like you're no longer needed in that way, it can feel like a death. Like it can feel, it can, it can be the scariest thing in the world. Now, if you're aware that you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm a provider for my family until they no longer need me because like, you know, like I know that the clock is ticking on this, but I'm going to give it 110%. Just like athletes, you know, like if, if athletes are really tuned in, they know they have a limited window of being that person who's on the field. And the ones who thrive afterwards recognize that there's a ticking clock. There's plenty of other athletes who have no idea who don't plan for that. And they show up on the finish line at the age of 30 or maybe younger. And, and now they can no longer do that thing. And it's like they've fallen off a cliff. So it's, it's awesome. It's actually quite awesome to give 110% of yourself to some life purpose and then for it to dissolve. You know, David Data talks about this in the way of the superior man. And this was something that was like a big aha for me. He goes, you know, another fascinating book, fantastic book. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people have a lot of things to say about the book. It's quite triggering, but like for me, there, there's a lot of it, like, it yeah. will, it will spark some thinking at the very least. Yeah, there, there's sure. a, there, there's a, there's a conversation in there about purpose. It's like, you know, a lot of us will give a hundred thousand percent to something. And then that thing that used to wake you up in the morning, you know, maybe making money or provide whatever it was. And all of a sudden it will lose its appeal to you. 
Like it's just gone. And most of us experience that as like a failure when what he says is actually you have, you have already fulfilled that karma. And now it's like, you're going to a deeper level. Like you've actually graduated. So if we, if you have the awareness that you're going to that next level, it's, it's now experienced as a celebration, even though there's pain and transition versus like some failure or who am I? I'm no longer worthwhile. I'm just going to ride this thing out until I, you know, until I die. You know, it's interesting. I feel like, like the end of that chapter, that transition or that death of an identity is what people don't want to think about. Like, yeah. so when you think about that athlete that doesn't plan, it's like, they don't want to think about the death of that identity and they're so attached to it. How does one become more comfortable even opening up the conversations around like, like the death of an identity, like the death of a role and almost look at it from that space of beauty, which is like transition or evolution or, Hey, this is a calling that was completed, a chapter that I get to put in my bookshelf and begin again. Like how does one like begin to shift the mindset or even the attitude to really step into that place of power? It's a great question, man. And it's the, 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 the answer is we're not meant to do those transitions on our own. Mm. We're really not like, think about the reason why there's so many boys in grown men's bodies running around doing like the stupidest things is because we've lost like those initiation rituals from boyhood to manhood. Like, you know, a Nelson Mandela, if like you read his memoir, all of the boys of his tribe, like they get taken from their families like, you know, willingly, but they get taken from their families to live with wise elders for a period of weeks or months where they're initiated into manhood. They, they do a circumcision process. They bury the foreskin in the ground. You can, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever you feel about that, but like they come back into their society with the boy being dead. Like that the foreskin being buried is a symbolic of the boy is no longer here. You are now a man. Mm. And, and it's done with the supervision of wise elders so they can make that transition because they're not meant to do it on their own. Look what happens when we try to do that boy transition, like there's so many of us who are little boys in men's bodies. Now you think about like, let's say retirement is a major transition. Moving on from college, you, you stop being a, a student and now you're a worker. These transitions are meant to happen under the guidance of people who have been there before, who can show you the way. And I think that too many people try to do these things on their own. And listening to a podcast like this is a great first start. Reading the books are a great first start, but like there's so many emotions. There's so many things you can't see, right, Roger? I mean, like you, you there's probably so many things that yeah. you've just gone through in these last four months that if it weren't for a coach or some like person who could really see into your soul and ask you the questions that you needed to, to like, like to, yeah, to help like bumpers, like little, little, little bumpers yeah. on your journey. So you're actually going in the direction that you don't even know you're supposed to be going. One thing that's actually around masculinity and asking for help especially when you think about people that have, that are elders or maybe going in that space of retirement, like, you know, and that's, they're in that, that period where they're just, they want to step into a greater purpose, but they also don't know how to ask for help. Can you walk through kind of like how you maybe might coach men who have trouble asking for help or how can we inspire Healthy masculinity in all forms, which includes vulnerability. I think vulnerability is one of those things that just most men struggle with a lot. Totally. So, so here, here, here's something that will, that really opened my eyes that helped me to understand like why we're so bad at asking for help. Esther Perel, 
like who's one of the the most famous authors and writers and probably like maybe maybe the go-to resource on like relationships, intimacy and and sexual health. She also started to do some work around masculinity in these last few years. When I attended her conference called The Paradox of Masculinity here in New York City, she said something fascinating. She said, you know, for women, like the rite of passage into womanhood is basically when she begins her menstrual cycle. She becomes a woman and she doesn't have to prove that she's a woman. She's a woman, you know, like she got her, she has her woman card. She's like, masculinity is different. A man has to earn his masculinity Mm. and then vigilantly maintain it over the course of life's actions every single day, vigilantly. So like you could lose your man card by not finishing your beer in front of a group of guys, like they'll bust you on it, right? You can lose your man card if you don't step up to someone who's stepping up to you. Mm. You can lose your man card if you go soft in bed. You know, like all of these little things, whereas men, we are so hell-bent on protecting our masculinity because this runs to the root of an identity. If, If you're not a man, then you're weak, you're ostracized, you're not valued, and then, and then you're on your own. You're left to, to kind of perish. This runs so deeply inside of us that we don't recognize the game that we're playing, which is protect my man card. And there's this man box that was developed. It, it was written about in the book, Modern uh, Manhood. You I've know the man it. box? I know the man yeah. box. I think I know the man box. They, well, see, yeah, these man box are like these, these series of behaviors that you have to demonstrate in order to be considered in the box of being a man, right? Like, be aggressive, know the answers, be assertive, be financially successful, be a straight man, don't be a gay man, like all of these things. And then if you check all those boxes, you're a man. But when you start to ask for help, when you start to reveal that you don't have the answers, when you start to show some vulnerability, these are all labeled as weaknesses and you're outside the man box. So, so like you don't even know that these forces are at work causing you not to ask because there's this fear of emasculation. I believe that to be like the number one fear, like subconscious fear that, that is controlling men's lives that they don't know about is this fear of emasculation. So you live decades, Raj, trying to protect and look good and, and to not need help. So of course, it's, it's hard to start asking for help. Now, with that background, just that awareness should help some men who have never seen that before. Just be like, oh God, okay, like how do I, and then, then what do I do with it? For me, like most guys, I had to find just one person that I could reveal to, that I really trusted. And that was a woman in my life. And I think for most guys, like, you know, many guys, it's, it's a woman that we feel safe because like that fear of emasculation seems, you know, like guys, whatever, that goes away a little bit. And I remember like when I turned 30, I had like my, like this big breakdown and I went to this woman, her name is Grace Gold. She's like one of my dearest friends. And I told her all the the things that were going on in my life. And she was the one who pointed me on the personal development journey. She gave me Tim Ferriss's book for our work week. She gave me the way of the superior man. She created this personal development monster, but you have to find like that one person, that first person that you could really open up to and confide in. And then you'll find over the course of time that it's a lot easier to open up to other people too. I love the fear of emasculation being debunked by women. Like, I just love that idea as that concept in general, because that's been holding so true for me. Like, I think one of the biggest fears that I had coming out of, you know, I came off the relationship, getting back on the dating scene was getting friend zoned. Because that was Mm. like a huge one for me of being emasculated. I remember when I 
when I started actually like getting out there and meeting women, I remember that one of the first girls that I tried getting with, like she told me that she wanted to be my friend. And I remember how much of a trigger that was for me. Sure. But like being able to actually lean into that friendship and understand where she was coming from and hold the space and hold the space for intimacy instead of sexuality and really like Mm. allow that was one of the most healing things I've ever experienced in my life. Wow. And it led to me understanding like what is true masculinity. Like you can hold the space for women to feel safe, to feel heard, to feel seen. And just because they choose to be your friends doesn't mean that you're not a man. In fact, when you can hold the space to be friends with women, it just, it, it speaks volumes about the level of masculinity and safety that you feel within yourself. And yeah, it's, it's really ringing for me, the emasculation sort of concept and how deep that rings. Like there's some deep, deep, deep seated fears that I think are rooted. Where do you think they come from? I guess like, I know there's society, but like, do you think like it comes from like childhood, like, you know, fear of rejection, like mommy issues? I mean, dude, I mean, like it could come from all those, but I mean, just like think, go back to an early age, like we see very quickly as young boys, like the first time you get called that four letter, that five letter word, like don't be a, with a P, with a P, right? Yeah, like yeah. don't be that. Or, or the boy who gets picked on for like crying or wetting his pants, whatever it is, like very early age, you see what happens and maybe you were, that happened to you. Right. And you learn very quickly how fragile like your belonging is yeah. to these groups. So you like, I, like, and I assimilate very quickly. I became a master at like figuring out what all those social rules were and then abiding by it. And then I built an entire life around that. And, you know, my version of like your story is kind of like when I hit 30, I had all the things, the financial success, the title, and it was just like, this feels empty, you know, it feels whatever. So I played this game really well and I don't feel anything. It starts very young and it's, and it's definitely reinforced everywhere. I mean, you know, there was a guy who came to one of my seminars who said, like, he, he's a father, he had a son who like, I don't know, five years old, was running down the sidewalk, skipped, you know, fell, fell, scabbed his leg and he starts crying. And yeah. then like a woman walks by and is like, Hey, boys don't cry. Mm-hmm. You know, like she was trying to like put the, push this on him. And the father was like, actually, you know, boys very much do cry. So do men. So you're allowed to cry and, you know, shoot her off. And it like, you know, fortunately for this young boy, he had the father who intervened, but I certainly know, like, I mean, I was told many times, boys don't cry, don't be a pee, like, you know, all of these things. And so that carries over, that, that carries into adulthood for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, and I'd love to talk about like, I guess in general, like how can we heal our, our own sort of masculine wounds? Because I think now more than ever, we need healthy masculine man. Like, I mean, just the way the world's going, like, this is something that I truly believe, like men really stepping up and stepping into their power. How can somebody begin taking the steps to, one, just step into those higher and higher and higher versions of themselves so that they can serve their families, their communities, and just the people around them as best as they can? All paths lead to you have to do this work with other men. You cannot do this all on your own. Like you will, you will get to a certain level yeah. of reading the books, listening to the podcast, following the experts. If you are not stepping into the arena and doing this deep inner work with other men, 
where you were putting out like your deepest insecurities, where you were releasing your anger and your rage, where you're talking about the fact that you want to leave, you know, the person that you've been married to or in a relationship with, or you hate your job, or you can't connect with your kids. If you are not doing that work with other men, you will never fully realize your full masculine potential. And I say that because as guys, like we, we, we have learned to be rugged individualists. Like we, we learn to go at it on our own. And one of the things that's prohibiting so many good, potentially great men from reaching that level, Raj, is like, is, is there's this suspicion of doing it with other guys. Like they like do doing this work with other guys. Like they just stop at the podcast. They stop at the books. Now, by all means, read King Warrior, Magician Lover, read The Way the Superior Man, devour those books like I have, like you have. But if you're not going to like the Mankind Project, which is an organization that's been around for 30 years, which, you know, the guys yep. who wrote um, King Warrior, Magician Lover helped to, to architect right. and influence. Yep. If you're not going to like a John Wineland workshop, John, John Wineland is one of the top good. disciples of David Dada. Yeah. And you can follow him on Instagram. He's fantastic. I've done years of work with him around masculine leadership. I'm in a men's group for the past two years. Every Monday night, we get together to do deep inner work with each other. If you're not in a men's group or doing something along these lines and, and, and like rubbing off on other guys who you, like, you can see yourself and then they can see well, themselves. Accountability. Yeah, it's accountability. Yeah. It's like, cause I mean, life will throw all sorts of opportunities for you to step into greater leadership, to step into higher versions of yourself. Like life is the best arena in my opinion, but the people that are also looking at life through that lens, like if you can be surrounded by men that are also looking at life as this opportunity to step into these greater and greater versions of themselves it turns into a beautiful, beautiful sort of almost tribe-like mentality, which I've been, I mean, I, I find, I mean, you and I, we're in a men's group together. Like, that's how we yeah, know each other, right. right? Like, that's like, yeah. it's, it's this opportunity. And I, man, I really wish that this stuff was taught in schools, like, early on. I, know. I feel like by the time somebody actually starts taking the charge, there's so much unlayering to do. But no, I think... Vulnerability is one of those, it's funny, I had a conversation with a friend of mine earlier today on the concept of vulnerability and how I think vulnerability is actually the thing that's going to heal just about every damn wound on the planet. How can a man begin being vulnerable with himself? Oh, that's, that's a good question. How can he be vulnerable with himself? One of the ways that I... I had to be, I, I learned to become vulnerable with myself was, was actually through like meditation and mindfulness, like just the act of, so I, I started my meditation practice seven years ago when I entered Sex Addicts Anonymous, right? Which was like my four year journey through there. Yeah. Like the idea of being alone and still and not doing, not achieving, not in, in motion was painful. It was brutal. It was like my idea of like meditation was my idea of a punishment, you know, like that was, that's actually kind of how I got punished when I was a kid, like sit still, don't do anything. And so right. like, it felt like that for me to actually sit in that and to like feel the mind race, to feel the body resist, to feel the worry, the fear, the like to actually sit with it. And then, and then to like, to not react to it, to not let that drive my behaviors that, that really allowed me to confront a lot of, I, I would say that a lot of the ways that I had um, tricked myself in my life. You know, like it, it, it revealed to me 
the things that I was doing that I thought were making me happy that weren't. It, it taught me that like I, I kind of built my whole life around other people's desires. Uh, I think one of the fastest ways that like a man can be vulnerable with himself is to like cultivate a, a solitude practice. John Wineland talks about this. He said in masculine leadership, when he trains masculine leadership, he, he encourages every man to have a stillness practice every day. You can call it meditation or you can just like sit and look out at the trees and just be with yourself. And you'd be shocked at how much stuff comes up when you like leave that space. And it's not always going to be pretty, man. It's going to be painful. And I know that you've you know, been through your own journey of that too. So I'm just wondering, does that at all resonate with you as a vulnerable practice? Oh gosh, sitting with the uncomfortable emotions that come up, being present to them has been one of the most humbling experiences of my life. Like going through heartbreak and being present, relentlessly present to the shame, the guilt, the resentment, the anger, the sadness, and learning to be intimate inside of it so that you can feel and extract the lessons that this experience has caused for you. And learning to be present inside of these life experiences, whether it's in stillness and just like meditation like, right, like present moment awareness, I think, is one of the fastest ways for men to really step into vulnerability, right? Like when you can drop into presence and whatever's in front of you, it could be an agitating thought. It could be a huge life experience. It could be anything. But I, I'm with you, man, like learning to be with what's in front of you and not bury it with work or travel or sex or food or alcohol or drugs. I mean, really learning to be with it has, I think, been one of the most profound practices for me as well. Like really learning to sit in the suck. Dude, you just brought, so th there's a story I haven't told yet because it's just like, it's just happened that I'd love to share with you that kind of covers that masculinity and Masculation, like kind of covers Please, yeah, all yeah. of it. Sure, bro. So yesterday, my book came out, right? On Purpose Leadership is this new book that I, that I, you know, I wrote. It's been a year in the making. And I found out a week and a half ago, maybe less, from my publisher that they published thousands of copies of this book with spelling errors on the back. There's like, you know, three spelling errors on the back. It, it's, it, like it, it, it's just egregious. It looks terrible, right? it's not my fault, right? Like these guys, the publishing company need to be the ones who do the, uh, the spell check and all this stuff. Anyway, they're telling me that there's nothing that can be done. You know, these thousands of copies are going to go to all my clients, like my big corporate clients. They're going to go to all of my customers around, you know, who bought the book and spent good money on this. And I feel, you know, that like, I just feel horrible about that. So what I found was like, generally speaking, my publisher just like didn't have a solution. And I, I was, I was just like, I was angry at the fact that like there wasn't some, some restitution. Now my chief operating officer is a woman. Her name is Callie. She's amazing. And I have a brand, like a publicist. Her name is Marina. Also amazing. So we're on this call together, like talking about this. And the two of them are way more pissed off about this thing than I am. Like they're, they're, they, they, they want like some blood <laughs> for, for this mess up. Right. And I could tell like my publisher, like who's not part of these conversations was not going to have it. Now I'm sitting here and as the two of them are talking, Marina was saying, Hey, Dominic, I know that like you're a really kind and a compassionate and patient guy, but like, I think you should really push back on him. 
And all I heard when she was saying that you're, I'm going to hear a kind, compassionate, patient man. All I was hearing was you're not a man. You're weak. Oh. You, you didn't step up. You didn't. And this is not what she's saying at all, at all. In my mind, I'm, I'm like making this out to, oh my gosh, in front of these two women who like I deeply respect and admire, they're going to feel like I didn't go to battle for this thing. Yeah. Right? Like they're going to feel, and, and like, can they count on me? So I almost launched into a war to protect like, you know, myself from being emasculated. Even when on my deeper level, I was like, there's a better way of handling this. As attuned as I am to this stuff, and like, you know, I, this is my whole life, I do this work, I still almost reacted Dude. to that protection of masculine, you know, that, that, that fear of being emasculated. Fortunately, I listened to that whisper inside of me that was just like, no, there's a better way of doing this. And what I ended up doing instead was I, on all my socials yesterday and then like uh, in my email newsletter, I created like this humorous video to say, hey, Today, my book's come out a year in the making, so excited for it. And I just wanted you to know that if you ordered early, you're going to get one of these special limited edition defective copies <laughs> of my book. Because on the book, on the back of the cover, it is, instead of saying book, like new book, it says Bach, be okay. So I'm like, here's your chance to get one of these limited edition box and you better order it now, like for any of you who haven't, because these are going to run out and the clean version is going to be replacing it. But who wants that? It's boring. And people went nuts for it. They thought it was great. Like all of the people who had bought the, the Bach are like, I want your Bach, Bach life. It's going to be more valuable than the real Bach when it comes out. And it took on this life of its own. If, if I had gone down a different path, you know, and like gone to war, I could have used all of my energy in, into a negative state. I would have come out apologizing for the quality of the book instead of having fun with it. And that would have not real. That would have been like a limp-wristed handshake. Instead, like people are now buying the book that they, they wouldn't have previously because they think it's funny and they, they like how I handled it. So all of this stuff, man, I mean, it's, 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 it's small. It happens in these moments. But man, if you get it right, like that moment, if I'd gone down the path, I'd be, I'd be still stuck in this hell versus like I'm, I'm now on the other side creating like, like great new client relationships. And I also feel proud of myself for how I handled it. And I feel light, very different ballgame. And I'm really glad you brought that up because I think that one, that whisper is something that you have to practice learning to trust, right? There's, it's, and it's trust. The word is trust. It's not listen. It's actually like, I'm going to trust this knowing in my body over the wavering storm that could be people around you, opinions of everything. It's like knowing in your gut that, you know what, like, and, and I love, it's just, it's powerful when you said that, man, because like the compassion piece, like it's like giving me actually like thoughts of like the idea of being friend zoned. It's like, yeah, oh, you're, yeah, like, like, like yeah. She, she was like, you're so sweet. You're so nice. Oh, you're so, yeah. you're doing all these things. Right? I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, Oh, I need to go full asshole mode. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, yeah, it's like, there's like this need, like it was, like, and I, but I became aware of it and you can, when you can sit with, that's where like vulnerability, when you can sit with those emotions and let yourself feel them, it's almost like you lose the fear of them, right? Like when you can learn to feel that discomfort, like you did in that moment of like being potentially being emasculated and like you can sit with it then it doesn't dictate, it doesn't turn into a reaction. It's almost like just you're allowing that thing to exist because 
it's a feeling and those feelings are part of your natural body, right? Like your body's just making feelings. That's all they are. And you're observing them from your practice of mindfulness and presence. And then that then allows clear, level-headed presence and masculine healthy, that encourages healthy masculine. It's like when you can learn to sit in the suck, maybe that's it. That's it. Because everybody listening, if you just learn to sit in the suck, you will literally learn and we'll all, we'll all learn, which I am practicing every day. By no means are Dom and I like <laughs> experts. Like, we're, 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 <laughs> I'm like Andy, I'm like Andy Dufresne in uh, Shawshank Redemption. Like I'm, I'm, I'm crawling through like all the, the sewage just so I can get out the other side liberated. So I'm still in that sewer, man. I'm, 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 I'm on my are, way but, to freedom, but yeah, but that's, that's it. We all are. And I think that's the permission that I think I've given myself to, you know, as long as I can lean in with vulnerability and truly allow myself to feel the discomfort of what's in front of me, then like somehow, some way I'll know that I'm acting in integrity with who I am. Hell yeah. And you know, um, when you, when you emphasized the whisper, like listening to the whisper, yeah. two women who have really taught me that, like two authors who I love, Elizabeth Gilbert, oh, yeah, um, who wrote the book fantastic. Big Magic. She's phenomenal. And I just bought her book, City of Girls, which I'll probably be reading like later. And Glennon Doyle, my friend Alana bought me Glennon, Doyle book, Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed. And in the book, you know, she, she, she's almost like she's having the same conversation you, are, you and I are having, but for women right? Like how women are socialized into a a very specific set of behaviors, do this, do that, don't do that, you know, don't be sexual, but be sexual, you know, it's like all this stuff. And she talks about how, like in these transition moments of her life, she, she was married with kids, but she liked women, you know, she was married to a man with kids. And she ended up like in this moment where the woman of her dreams walks through the door and she was like, everything was screaming inside of me not to want this woman, except there was this whisper that said like she was meant to be the woman of my dreams. That's Abby Wambach, like the, the US superstar soccer wow. player. She ended up marrying this woman. You know, she, she also gave an example of like 16 years earlier when she was like drunk after being, you know, she, she was an alcoholic and she had a positive pregnancy test. And there was this scream in her voice and in her mind. It was like, you can't, like you're unfit to be a mother. But there was this deeper whisper that said, you can do this. You're meant to do this. And it was those like whispers. Ooh, I shiver. And women, like, yeah, like w- women have that intuitive, like w- women have that intuition. The, w- yes. the intuition is often a whisper. But we as men also have that whisper too. We, but, but there's so much screaming with our mind, our conditioning, our patterns, our habits that the only way we hear that deeper knowing is through stillness, through awareness, through slowing things down and a willingness to sit in the suck like you were talking about. Because under that suck are the messages that we need to hear. Well, and the suck isn't actually the suck. It's like, like, cause I actually realized I didn't actually fear the feeling. I fear the stories attached to the feeling. Like I don't fear being sad. I, I may fear being seen being sad by the wrong people. Mm. Mm, I don't fear being angry. I don't fear anger as itself by itself is just an emotion. I may fear doing something while I'm angry that may lead to some sort of an outcome that I don't want. So like, yep, there's all that. these things that happen in your mind, but when you drop into stillness, I think the mind settles down, right? Like the dust settles. So like all those, that, those crazy antics, like they fall down 
And what's left is clarity. And it's, it's true. It's that knowing it's that feeling. It's a, like I, 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 the whisper for me always feels like a, like, I can't explain why I can never explain why, why I know what I know, why I feel what I feel. Like I can, yep. it doesn't logically make sense. Like, like Correct. I feel like my mind is always the last one to arrive to the party. Like he's <laughs> yeah, just so a true. straggler on the back of the bus. <laughs> just like, yeah, but my, my heart, my knowing, like my body, it's like, there's a visceral, like, this is like, pay attention. And that to me is like that, that voice, that knowing I'm learning and practicing to trust it implicitly versus needing my mind to catch up because I think all the suffering in my life has come from my mind trying to justify something that I've always known. See, and what you're talking about, and here's what most guys don't understand, but if they did like the, the, the value of what you're talking about, they would, they would jump on this train in an instant. It's when we are so deep in this like old world masculine, which is like super logical, right? Like I got to churn and think about and like use my mind to make these decisions it takes a long time. You second guess, right? Like, cause it's usually, like you said, like the last thing to calculate when you start to cultivate a deeper listening to the whisper, or as you said, you know, my heart, I could feel my heart. That's still in a lot of male circles. Like even saying that some guys would look at you with like a roll their eyes. Like, why would you, you know, heart, what kind of, you know, but your heart, your intuition, when you make a decision from a place where you trust your heart and your intuition, it happens in an instant and it's conviction. You don't have to go through all the machinations. You like, you can know, I don't even know how I'm going to figure this out. It's just going to happen. And then, and, and, and with that, you can start to play some really big games in your life because you just walk around with this knowing. And, and like, you know, someone on this, like I, I got interviewed for a podcast earlier today and he asked me that question about this. And I was like, yeah, you know, I don't second guess myself anymore because I just know, because I know how to listen and hear. I used to take like clients that would come to me with big money, but like squirrely character. And I would take that and I would always regret it because like I wouldn't listen to my deeper sense. But now I only attract the most amazing clients who pay amazing money because we're aligned and I can feel it because that compass is online now. So if guys knew how good, how easy, how fast, how certain decision-making could be, if like we open up this part of our, our, our hearts, then I think more guys would be on the train. Well, this goes back to teaching it in schools, right? Like, could you imagine <laughs> learning to trust your heart at the age of four? Kids I mean, at the age of four do trust their hearts. It's they just do. They, they get, they get they learn. out of their system. They learn not to. It's like, we, it's almost like an unlearning that needs to happen in the most profound of ways. Like we're all trying to become great men. We need to unbecome first before we can step back into, you know, what we want to be in. Man, I... You know, just this year, I think for myself and really anybody has been such a profound, crazy, chaotic, crisis filled, noisy year. And I, I don't know if there's ever been a more important time to listen and learn to feel that voice in your heart, because now more than ever, there's more noise, there's more distraction, there's more fear, there's more just screaming from the top of lungs who's right and who's not. And we're all seeking and constantly just searching for validation or searching for that answer when maybe this whole year has been the biggest knock on the door for us to finally start listening to that voice in our hearts. Yeah. Like we're being pushed yep. to the brink 
of our society. I mean, our society is being tested at its core just so we can return back to this fundamental truth that we've always known. What true healthy, whether it's masculinity or femininity or what true healthy being is. I'm with you on that, man. I've asked the question so many times, like, why, why are we going through this? Why, you know, why all the turmoil? Why the wildfires? Why the pandemic? Why the political? Just why, why, why? And, you know, like one of the biggest, like when I listen, you know, like my, my whisper is like, we're being asked to, to level up. And quite frankly, like the way that we're living our lives, it requires something this noisy for us to, to pay attention. Mm. You know, like, like that, because, because we are so so distracted that we, we almost need, instead of the tap on the shoulder, we need the two by four across the forehead (laughs) to wake up. And it's, uh, and it's unfortunate. Um, but, but, but we are like some things we are changing right now. Like this is something that will shift humanity in a way that, that we will be feeling the effects of good and bad for many years to come. You said two by four to the face. I'm seeing Mike Tyson coming at me with a freaking right hook, dude, <laughs> running right hook straight to the jaw. Um, but, uh, you know, you're not going to survive that, man. <laughs> <laughs> it might take me a while. Um, Dom, I would be remiss not to talk about the incredible free trainings you're giving out right now. Like, I mean, I, I like I when you sent me that. Earlier in the week, I was like, holy shit, Dom, like, this is amazing. So can you talk a little bit about sort of just how you're showing up, how you're following that voice and how you're helping people just during this crazy chaotic time? Sweet, man. I really appreciate that, Raj. So I've got this six-week power up your purpose and productivity course for men. It's over a six-week period starting October 7th. I think it finishes November 11th. This is some of my best training that, you know, companies hire me to do for their employees. And this is some of the stuff that I do in my mastermind for men. So what we're going to be doing is unpacking, like, who are you when you're at your best self? We're going to talk about how to design your morning routine, design your evening routine. We're going to have a deep conversation around a lot of guys' favorite topics, sex and porn, (laughs) right? Like in these areas of our lives so that we can, for many guys who are starting to feel like, man, this year has really taken me through the ringer. Let's get together and work on filling up your tank over a six week period. And these are, there's going to be guys all around the world who are doing this program. We had like, I think 90 guys register in the first couple of days. And I'm going to be doing a Zoom call where I'm going to be teaching this stuff and each week and then having breakout groups on Zoom so that men can do the inner work with other guys, designing their morning routines, evening routines, having, you know, conversations around the role of porn and sex in our lives. And I've kicked the reason why I'm doing this for free. Because companies pay me like you know tens of thousands of dollars to do this. The reason I'm doing it for free is so we can seed the Facebook group where men who want to meet other men doing this in our work can now find a home and have these discussions. Because I'm finding that more and more men who listen to my podcast, who subscribe to my email, or you know list, follow me on social media, most guy, many guys find like they're the only guy that they know doing this stuff. And so I needed to find I need to provide a digital place. To, to, to give them a home. And I thought a great way to create a strong nucleus was to take men through a six-week journey together. Yeah. And the conversations are going to be happening in the Facebook group. So if you want to get access to this, the Facebook group is called The Great Man Within Podcast. So just search The Great Man Within Podcast, ask for approval. We'll put you in there and then you can register in there. 
or you can register by going to my website, doinnerwork.com forward slash resources. So doinnerwork.com, go to the resources tab. The very first thing at the top is how to register for this program. Excellent, man. Well, I appreciate just the, one of the things I just love most about you is how dedicated you are to your own practice. Ah, I mean, like that's, you know, that's one of the things I just admire most. Like you're doing the work on yourself. You're facing your demons. You're learning to be vulnerable with the deepest, most scariest aspects of your own being. And like, I, I feel that level of leadership from you and it's just, I'm grateful to call you a brother and I'm grateful to call you a friend, man. Like you, you're just such a solid dude. So I, I can't, can't say enough good things for anybody listening and anybody who is in a space right now where you're, you're challenged as a man. Like you just feel like you're pulling at straws and you need some structure and direction to just help you get yourself back on your feet. Cause we all need that from time to time. Like, and there's no shame in even admitting, actually one of the most powerful things you can do is admit you need help. So I hope that Dom and his wisdom has just given you a, a beacon for that. Um, I love you, dude. Love you. Big love time. You too, brother. Thank you for those, all those beautiful words, man. I feel, I feel it. Thank you. I got one last question for you. In the midst of it all, man, in the midst of all the chaos, all the crisis, how do you stay grounded? Okay, so breath work has been my boon, my bastion. Like every, every day, breathing to help my anxiety. Like I ground first thing in the morning when I wake up, I do, I do some Qigong, I do some Wim Hof breath to activate. And I got to tell you that the number one book that I've read in 2020, and I typically read like 20 to 30 books a year, is the book called Breath by James Nestor. Really? I can't, I can't dude, I cannot tell you if, if like, if you've ever, if you've ever struggled with anxiety or have a hard time being present, or you've had digestional issues, or if like you have slow recovery time after workouts, breathing could be like the cause of all of those things. And in reading that book, it like really helped me to understand how I'd been breathing too much through my mouth, how I'd been over breathing. So every day, I've been doing breathing practices for two years, but this book that I read about a month ago blew open my, uh, my awareness on how to bring like, like more healthy belly breaths, slower breaths, nose breaths, so that every day I feel grounded and anxiety free, which is a big, which is a big win for me. I'm so glad you brought up that like breathing. I mean, it's such a simple thing that we unconsciously do every day. I mean, as simple, a simple practice is just becoming aware of something that you are doing unconsciously, like breathing. Yeah. What a beautiful practice, man. I, Dom, you the man. I love you. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom. Um, But for everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Dom. And from us, Stay Grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast 
Read in our thoughtful posts or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.